Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Rolling through the middle of the ice. A shot by Pellick. The rebound alive. Kicked around. They score! Casey Sazik has found the loose puck. And the scoreless tie broken. Here with 8.45 to go in the third. Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the identity theft edition. Alongside Noel Fogelman, I'm Joe Bono. A reminder, you can listen to this show and all Lighthouse Hockey podcasts on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for your New York Islanders coverage. To kick off the show this week, we are joined by Islanders beat reporter for Newsday and host of the Island Ice podcast. That, of course, is Andrew Gross, and he joins us now. Andrew, how are you doing? Noel, Joe, good to talk to you, and thanks for having me on so I can uh, pick up some pointers on how to really do a podcast here. So, <laughs> No, you got the baritone voice out of the three of us, so we're jealous of you. Um, <laughs> so uh, let me start things off with, you know, what do you miss most about being at the arena besides the traffic um, going from, I guess, uh, Westchester, if I recall yeah. uh, to long island and brooklyn um well how's it been like i know you did it in the postseason obviously and now you guys got used to this but how has it been just covering the team day in and day out over the course of a regular season um from your seat as a beat reporter, beat reporter? yeah you know and, and and you know i'm sort of lucky because they are allowing a few media members into the coliseum i was at the coliseum uh, i was at the garden the other night for islanders rangers and I've been to the Prudential Center once. Um, but, you know, even then, being in the buildings without fans is almost weirder than seeing it on TV without fans. Um, it's just, 
you definitely notice the, the, the emptiness in the buildings. You know, it, it sort of reminds me like, you know, you, you cover an Islander game at the Coliseum, you go down, you do your interviews, and then you're up in the press box around 10 p.m., to start writing and that's when they get the rec league games out there and there's you know there's no one in the stands except <laughs> you know it, it, you know they're, they're they're drinking buddies yeah. and you can hear everything going on in the ice and that's exactly what it seems like is you know you can hear the goalie talking to the defenseman you can you can hear, uh, hear Casey Zizekas like you know cursing and happiness after scoring the other night you know so it's you know, it's an experience I never, obviously, none of us thought we would ever go through. Um, like I said, I feel privileged to be in the building. Um, but, you know, I, I can't wait for the fans to be back in because it's just, it, it doesn't seem like a real NHL game. Um, and then covering on TV, the one thing, you know, the, the one thing that really I notice in the job is sort of, you know, the breaking of the relationships you had, you know, not that, you know, you know, Barry Trotz was going to call me his best friend or the players were going to go, you know, hang out and grab a beer with me. But, you know, there was that familiarity where you walk into a room, they, you know, they ask you how you're doing. And, you know, it's sort of more than a reporter player relationship. And that's completely broken now just because everything's via Zoom and you maybe get one or two questions in. But you know what? People have real problems in the world. People are, lo are losing their jobs. Uh, you know, people are losing their lives. People are losing loved ones. So I I've got nothing to complain about, but it, it, it is different. Yeah, absolutely. Now onto the ice. Uh, where would this team be without Semyon Valarmov? <laughs> yeah i mean you know he's got three shutouts um and and look seriously you know how big is that one nothing win over the bruins looking you know because that was you know uh you know they get the 4-1 win the game after against the devils but really they don't get that one nothing win and, and remember that goal was scored late in the third period um, they don't get those two points. I mean, that really, you know, it, it, it seems silly to say right now, um, you know, on February 9th, whatever we're on, but those two points against the Bruins, you know, head-to-head -head win over Boston, you know, that, that really could wind up being the difference here, you know, being in the top four and not being in the top four. But, yeah, no, Varley's been great, and what I, you know, what I'm enjoying watching him is there's just, he's not moving because he's in front of the puck, you know, and his body is absorbing the shots. It's not like, you know, against the Rangers last night, I, I am struggling to remember a rebound chance the Rangers had. I mean, he just sucked up everything and, and kept it close to his body. Um, and, you know, he's tracking pucks or he tracked pucks really well through traffic. And he's just quick. He's really quick. I mean, he, he flashes the glove and, and keeps it a 0-0 game on Artemi Panarin. Um, then he stops uh, Mika Zibanejad. You know, he, he is going side to side when he has to. But typically, he's not having to do that just because he's anticipating so well. 
And you know what? Myself and, and some other fans, when Lou Lamarillo signed him to a four-year deal, said, did they have to really go four years? Sorokin is going to come over. You're going to have a period of time where he's going to want to emerge as the number one, and you're going to be paying a lot of money for your goaltending. Um, but I think, you know, it's still very early. But Sorokin's only played three games, and uh, the first one was under really difficult circumstances against the Rangers. But, you know, you're seeing the value of having the veteran goaltender, especially with a win-now team here, that right now you're very happy that Varlamov is going to be in the fold for a couple of years and that, you know, Sorokin is able to kind of ease his way into this, uh, maybe more so than some fans with the big expectations thought, uh, thought, it, thought it would be necessary. Yeah, you know, and... You know, I remember Semyon a little bit because I covered that first series when he was in net for the Capitals when they played the Rangers in the playoffs. And, you know, I remember the feeling, you know, from the Rangers side was, who is this guy in net? We're going to win this series, you know, and Varley played really well. But then, you know, as much on the East as you want to keep up with what's going on in the Western Conference, it's you know, the games are late. And, and, and it's tough. And he spent eight seasons in Colorado and you really didn't get a sense of, you know, what they were spending five million a season on. And now I know the Islanders and Mitch Korn, and, uh, you know, and Piero Greco were on him, you know, before they signed Robin Leonard. You know, they're doing their due diligence on, uh, on Semyon Varlamov. He was definitely on their radar, you know, but Robin Leonard worked out so well that one season. But you know, when Varley's on his game, I, I just, he's one of those goalies you kind of plug and play and you don't worry about, you know, he's not one of these crazed goalies with a weird personality that you have to, you know, <laughs> worry about. He's just very matter of fact, you know, and uh, he just, he gets the job done. You know, he's not you know, would you say he's a top five goalie in the league? You know, he can play like that, but probably consistently, no. But still, you know, you're right. Without without Varley and Net this season, because, you know, Ilya is still, you know, having some issues adapting his game to North America. Not He's had some troubles on the angles, but it's also the physicality and what's going on in front of his net that I think is throwing him a little bit and certainly playing the puck, he has not looked all that good. So yeah, Varley is, you know, Varley's going to play, you know, probably two thirds, if not 75% of this season here. Yeah. And one uh, forward who's been a notorious slow starter for, you know, for the Islanders has been Jordan Eberle. This year, he leads the team with five goals. He's playing, you know, away from, you know, Matthew Barzell now. Do you, do you think that's going to be the case going forward? Because, or is the Josh Bailey experiment on the first line? Is that like short-lived? Uh, no, I, I think, I mean, they, they, they flip-flopped Bailey and, and, and Ebbs just because you needed to get Brock Nelson going and you needed to get Josh Bailey going. And for whatever reason, maybe they were too comfortable with each other, you know, but it just wasn't working. And then certainly once Anthony Beauvillier gets hurt, that, that line sort of kind of blew up in, in Barry's face. And, you know, in many of these losses and, and actually in some of the wins, you, you, you heard Barry complain a lot about, you know, he needs all four lines going. And a lot of games you heard him say, we only had one line tonight. And that's not something he said a lot 
during his first two seasons, he he got a lot more four-line balance than he's gotten this season. So, no, I, I think – and, you know, Ebbs and Nelson go back anyway. You know, they're, they're, they're familiar with each other, and, and, and Bailey and, and Lee are certainly familiar with each other. And, you know, Barzell is you – know, in a way, he's easy to play with because you know where the puck's going to be all the time, right? So it's just a matter of you getting to a spot. Whereas, you know, Everly was describing, you know, that's how he plays with Barzell, but with, with Nelson, with Brock likes to play a lot more give and go game. And, and that really engages Jordan and you see him going hard to the net. Uh, Probably, you know, he's a very streaky player when he's going well, he's getting to the net. And I think it's been a good sign since really the season opener that that's, you know, he's made a concerted effort to do that. Andrew Gross of Newsday is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at a gross Newsday. Uh, you had an article in Newsday earlier today about Barry Trotz gaining confidence in Oliver Wallstrom. He's also had complimentary things to say about Kiefer Bellows. Now, neither one of them are, are, are scoring necessarily. They're not getting consistent chances, but they seem to be. But yet he's going out of his way when talking about them, about the the trust factor is there with them. And although maybe it hasn't clicked on the third lines for the consistent uh, offensive, that's really important if you're going to play for Barry Trott's team and and get minutes. Yeah, and and when Barry talks about trust, he's not talking about in the offensive zone. He's talking about in the neutral zone, and he's talking about in the defensive zone, and he's talking about the correct gaps. And Oliver Wallstrom, you know, he only he played less than 10 minutes against the Rangers, but I thought you noticed him every time he was on the ice. Um, he, he definitely was looking to shoot the puck and he was shooting from all angles. And, you know, he, he got that one goal in his season's debut this season, but four shots were a career high for him. He had three in a game against Columbus uh, early last season, but four was a career high for him. He came into this game with only two shots total. He, he had not had more than one shot in the game. Um, so I thought it was a really good sign that he had four shots on net and six attempts total. But really, I, I really liked the way he was trying to line people up for checks. And, you know, he was trying to get the puck back along the boards. And he just more often than not, he was doing the right things. And as, as Barry said, the, the most praise Barry is going to give a young player like that in terms of defense is he's not a defensive liability. Uh, that's high praise from Barry at this stage of your career. And, and, and Barry did say that about, uh, about Wallstrom after last night's game, that he is not a defensive liability. And you mentioned the defense, um, We've seen the same six guys out there, you know, each game. Um, at the break, definitely helped, you know, Andy Green a little bit because I imagine, you know, older legs, you give him a little bit of a break. Will there be any opportunity for, say, Sebastian Ajo or, dare I say, Thomas Hickey to even play a game? You know, and we asked Barry about that this week. And uh, Barry Barry had just seen uh, the movie Seabiscuit the night before, so he was into horse racing analogies. And he started talking about they were gonna they were gonna ride this horse as long as it can go. Um, 
I'm I'm really curious to see Sebastian Ajo because everything I've heard about him and everything I've seen is that this is a guy and he's not a kid anymore. You know, this is a guy who could be NHL ready right now, but Barry is, is very much wanting to, you know, stick with this top six as long as it can go. And yeah, you, you look at Andy green and, you know, at 38, you wonder if he might need, you know, uh, uh, you know, a blow here uh, or there, especially when the games start getting back to back a lot. Um, so far they've only had one, but I think they have eight, eight of those instances this season. Um, Aho is definitely the next guy before Thomas Hickey, I believe. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the good thing about Thomas Hickey here is that Barry knows exactly what he's getting if he has to use Thomas in a game. You know, it's not with Sebastian Ajo, you know, the, the upside is probably a little bit higher uh, than a Thomas Hickey at this point, but you're not sure how high the elevator is going in that particular game just because Sebastian doesn't have the experience. You, you, you can plan for exactly what you're going to get out of Hicks going into a particular game. And, and that's very useful. And look, there, there are going to be injuries here. You know, you're not going, all six defensemen are not all going to play all 56 games. You know, it, it just, you, you saw it last season, you know, Boychuk getting hurt, Pellick getting hurt, Pellick getting hurt again in the playoffs at, at the end, you know, um, you know, knock on wood, you don't want to see it, but you, you just, I mean, it's hockey, it's the NHL, it, it's too hard a game. So at some point, yeah, Sebastian Ajo and or, and or Thomas Hickey are going to get a crack here. Um, and maybe one of the kids down in Hartford too, you know, uh, whether it's Wotherspoon or, uh, you know, or, or I think Bodie Wild's still about a year away or so. Um, but yeah, but for now, as long as they're healthy, Barry's going to keep these six in there as long as he can go. And we'll stay on the blue line in the play of Noah Dobson. And, you know, I really was impressed with him, you know, in the Eastern Conference final when he had to step in after the Palak injury because uh, it, it felt like he was fearless out there. He wasn't afraid of entering the zone or jumping in the play. And, and that just showed a confidence at a young age. And, you know, the reason why, obviously, it was a move the Islanders wanted to do, but they said they felt comfortable making the Devon Tays deal because Noah Dobson was ready and he is, he has lived up to those expectations. We were hearing good things about him in in practice and preparation for the bubble and the way he was jiving with, with um, Andy green. And, and that's really carried over. They, they must be ecstatic uh, that he looks to be the exact, exactly what was advertised about being a top four defenseman in this league for a long time. Yeah, and you know what, Dauber's got such a good personality for this. He's he's a very respectful person, but you can his confidence comes through. You know, even when you're talking to him as an 18 or a 19 year old, you know, he's 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 very respectful and he appreciates the opportunity and and he knows his role and his place on the team. But it's not like he's wondering whether he's going to be able to do the job if given the chance. I mean, there is there is definitely a quiet confidence that exudes from him, which which I think every player really needs. And I thought it was really good to see that out of him, even as an 18 or a 19-year-old, uh, through what was a pretty difficult season for him last season. Because 
you know, he was not used to not playing as much as he did. He only got, what, 34 of the 68 games, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering my stats correctly, in just one of the 22 postseason games. And Noah has talked about how difficult that was going through, um, you know, because you, you, you do want to play. Um, but now, uh, you know, season two, he certainly understands and he sees the wisdom of, of how he was brought along, how he was able to learn. And, uh, you know, really, you know, when I say learn, it's not learning hockey, although you do really have to mental get a mental picture of how fast this game really is, uh, particularly making this incredible leap from juniors right into the NHL without stopping in the AHL. Um, but it's also, you know, you're, you're 18, 19, and now you're living the pro lifestyle on chartered flights. And, you know, you have all this spending money for restaurants and stuff, and you, you're, you're out on the road with men. Um, and, and sometimes that's good because they can take you under their wing. But sometimes, you know, when you're out on the road with men, men have other issues, you know, they got family and wives and, you know, other things to a think A lot of weddings about. and babies and, and <laughs> a lot of weddings and babies in that, in yeah, that dressing room over the last right. few years. <laughs> Which is something that an 18 or a 19 year old, he doesn't have that kind of background in. Um, so it can, it can be very lonely for someone like that on the road. Luckily the Islanders really are a good fraternity um, in, in terms of how they all get along. But when I say learn, Dauber really had to learn how to be an NHL player last season, even when he wasn't playing, how to eat the right things, how to discipline himself, you know, how early to show up in the buildings, you know, what working out was all about, how hard to work out, you know, when to kind of step it back a little bit. You know, Johnny Boychuk could still be the, the Islanders MVP this season, just based on how you know, Dauber has progressed. Uh, I guess from, you know, the youngest player, it's one of the oldest with uh, Leo Komarov, uh, Uncle Leo. I'll give you another <laughs> Seinfeld reference, uh, the bodysuit man, because it seems like whatever he does, he's never leaving the lineup. Um, when uh, Anthony Magoulier, you know, comes uh, comes back, do you see maybe a chance to put him on the third line with, with uh, Pajot? I mean, it seems like consistency on that line is key because it seems like the inconsistent forwards are kind of bringing uh, Pajot down. He hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been as good as he was in, in the postseason last year. Well, pa Pajot just hasn't had set wings. You know, right. it's like, it's like, you know, you know, spin the wheel and, and figure out who JG is playing with on a particular game. Now I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Wallstrom, you know, and or Bellows eventually winds up as a permanent member on that line because I think the Islanders kind of need that, that scoring threat. Um, but yeah, no, no, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think when Bo comes back, the spot to put him on may, might be with Pajot. I, I really want to see JG and Anthony together. Um, you know, in, in sort of in the same way that I thought, you know, Derek Broussard and Pajot worked so well together you know you don't want to be xenophobic about this stuff but there is a connection there you know they're they're not they're literally speaking the same language but they're they're, they're on the same wavelength you know they, they they understand and see things the same way so i i, I think Bo and pajot would make a very intriguing thing and then when that happens 
it's not necessarily JG Peugeot's third line. You know, I, I think lines two and three, you know, the, the Nelson line two and Peugeot's line three become very interchangeable if it's Bo, Peugeot, Wallstrom slash Bellows, right? And, you know, I if Dal Cowell keeps playing the way he has for a couple of games here, he's going to he's gonna work his way into the line, lineup on a very regular basis because I, I know he's not, you know, scoring the goals that you want out of a, a fifth overall pick or you expect out of a fifth overall pick. But, you know, and, and fans kill me for this, but if you watched Al Cole's game, he is contributing. He really is. The way he moves his feet and, and the tenacity he shows along the walls, that's, you know, and again, I know Islander fans are going to kill me for this, but that's the good things you get from Leo Komarov, Right. But if you're getting him from Michael Dalcall, do you need Leo in the lineup? Not if Bo's back, you know. So I could see a Dalcall Nelson Eberly line kind of being interchangeable with a Bo Pajot Wallstrom trio. I'm all for the Pajbo uh, co- uh, connection, as uh, they'll be known as uh, very quickly if they uh, <laughs> end up playing together. Uh, last question for us, Andrew. Um, you know, last night, Identity line, best fourth line ever. Uh, you know, that you see some charts, advanced metrics. Uh, I saw one a couple of weeks ago about the kind of pretty much the least productive lines in hockey to that point. And uh, the fourth line was was part of that group. But, you know, whenever you want to kind of write them off and, and, and say, you know, they're going to be able to still, you know, kind of have the same impact they do on games. Uh, we've seen now back-to-back nights, Clutterbuck getting the tying goal against Pittsburgh and then the two goals there in the, in the third, third period to, to elevate the win, elevate them to a win over the Rangers. Um, it's, 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 um, it really is something special that we're watching that uh, they are collectively something special, but, you know, individually would not be in, in almost probably any other circumstance. It's, it's, it's wild that we get to watch this. Yeah, no, very much greater, you know, than the, the, the sum is greater than the individual parts or, you know, whatever that cliche is, <laughs> the sum is greater than the uh, end parts. But yeah, you know, Barry said the other day, they think with one brain and, you know, it was so, you know, you don't, you didn't have to be a hockey expert, you know, through games, you know, eight, nine. Well, what's, what, what's going on with the Islanders this year? Well, they're, they're not getting enough from the fourth line. They just weren't, you know, the fourth line was sluggish. It just, they weren't, you know, getting in and, and, and establishing a four check. They weren't imposing their will. And, and to me, they were playing in the defensive zone way too much compared to being in the offensive zone. You know, when, when they're going really well, it, it really is amazing. Even though they're a fourth line, how often they're down low in the offensive zone, you know? And uh, I, I thought that was really a good sign the last couple of games that that's where they started to play again on a consistent basis. Um, you know, obviously they were on the uh, ice, for uh, Jake Gensel's uh, goal. Um, And then that's why it was such a good sign that they came right back out and, uh, you know, clutter got one, but it it really, it's crazy as, as that line goes, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, 
more than anything, you know, but other than the goaltending, you know, because you got to get the goaltending, you know, so that aside, other than that, other than the goaltending, I can't think of anything that drives the Islanders um, as much as that fourth line does. Landry, you've been very generous with your time as always. We really appreciate it. We hope to see you and other people in an arena watching hockey at some point this year. Yeah. And um, not the cardboard cutout type hello, (laughs) an actual hello. So uh, keep up the great work at Newsday. Everyone subscribe to the Island Ice podcast and we'll uh, chat again soon. Joe and Noel, thank you so much for having me on and uh, be well and best to you and your families. Thanks so much. That was Andrew Gross of Newsday. We'll be back with our Isles Buzz segment. You're listening to PT Isles, part of the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Isles, Joe Bono, Noel Fogelman. UBS Arena has their first announced show. Won't be their first performance, but their first announced show. And it is The weekend. who, of course, got mixed reviews from social media for his Super Bowl halftime performance, as everyone does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. That's the only song I knew. You know, that, that one, and my daughter refers to it as a TikTok song, of course, because they play that on like mm-hmm. videos. But... Besides the audio being off a, a little bit or a lot, I guess I I, I enjoyed it. I, I think you know for what it was, it, it was fine. You know, I, and of course the big meme of him going through the maze, everyone's you know tweeted that out as some sort of meme. But for the most part, it was fine. I know everyone's up in arms now that that was the first concert announcement for you know the the the, uh, the UBS arena, but it's not going to be the first concert. I mean, does everyone want Billy Joel to be the first announcement and first concert? <laughs> you know what's going to be Billy Joel? Calm down, everybody. I mean, it's just it's it's just so funny the, the divide between the older Islander fans, you know, and then the younger ones. It, it really is. Yeah, uh, you got to um, now. Do they need to get an MSG waiver for Billy Joel yeah. to perform <laughs> at? At I'm serious. I'm, I'm not. You know, I feel like you know that, that's his residency, and this is well. I mean. I mean, I can't remember. Is Dolan still with Oakview? Was there a kind of Dolan element? There was. Or yeah, kind of went away? Yeah, I'm not sure now. But there there was an element with the Coliseum, though, right? There, there was something. Because he did play the last or the first he last played show. the last. Yeah, yeah, the last show. And then he played the first show at the refurbished one. And I went I went right. to both of them. Right. Um, and Kevin James was there. Right. Paul Simon was at the uh, yeah. the last the last show, um, 
Uh, it was a lot of fun, and he's been bringing you know special guests. Joan Jett, I believe, was at the uh, the first uh, show at the Refurbished Coliseum. So it would be a big, big upset if it was not Billy Joel. But I'm sure they have to just work out some things uh, yeah. with the Garden, and you know Andrew Cuomo can uh, broker that uh, that peace agreement if necessary uh, between uh, John Ledecky. Happy birthday, by the way, John Ledecky. Uh, today, February 9th. And the reason why you remember that it's his birthday is that that crazy game um, from Six, three, yeah. four years ago now, uh, when the Islanders got the five minute major penalty, scored all those goals, four goals, took the lead, gave up the lead, and then yeah. won it in overtime right. uh, with Brock Nelson. Um, and all that, although that team missed the playoffs, there were some really wild 6 5 games that year yeah. that were pretty entertaining. I mean, it was. I mean, Doug Waite, you know, led team, you know, goals were never a problem, you know, but also goals against was always a problem on that team. But, you know, I'd rather have what we have now, obviously, uh, you know, two and a half goals a game and, um, you know, the wins. But uh, happy birthday, you know, our uh, co-owner. But, you know, back to the uh, announcement for the uh, concert. I mean, it's crazy that we're actually booking stuff in that arena now. It's, it just shows you how close it is you know, besides Islander games, which is basically maybe a third of what the calendar dates for the arena, not counting playoffs. So there is going to be a ton of other concerts. Uh, I'd imagine they try to get some sort of college basketball in there. It would be great, you know, but it's, it's something to look forward to and you know, actually being, you know, selling tickets to a concert that, you know, we can go and see, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the, the tickets for the, the weekend are in um, 2022. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's still far off, but I think they're hoping that having obviously hockey, but also um, live arena events of some kind and, and with some level of attendance um, in the fall. And uh, we really don't know what that looks like, um, you know, here in New York. We certainly have seen big events like the Super Bowl, 20, 25,000 fans. Um, there's been even the World Series had had fans in attendance. Um, we haven't tried that yet in New York outside of the Buffalo Bills having fans in attendance for their games, but that was also outside. So, you know, doing something like this indoors, what will you need to have in order to attend? You know, would you need to show proof of a vaccine? I mean, you would think masks would absolutely be required. So it's, it's going to be quite interesting. And I think what everyone hopes is that we get some fans in here. I know Peter Schwartz, my good friend, um, you know, put out that he had a source that there was some surveying happening around the Coliseum um, to see what it would take uh, to get fans back into an arena. It would be great to have it at some point this year to have fans in the arena. And then hopefully there's a sense of normalcy when Belmont and UBS arena opens up in the, in the fall. I mean, that's that's best case scenario, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And even because who knows if next season is going to start on time, you know, with the season kind of going into the summer a little bit, I'd imagine they kind of want to delay it a little bit to kind of give the players, you know, a proper um, off season. But if this team does make the playoffs, which currently, you know, they're, they're, they're in the fourth spot. There's still a ton of hockey left, you know, to play. But getting fans in there is big, but building the Coliseum would be even better. You know, it's definitely a big uh you know a big advantage to have that crowd you know the low ceiling you know it's it'd be fantastic you know no fans didn't really um matter in the bubble last year to the islanders you know going to the conference finals but just being you know i guess officially the last last season 
at the Coliseum, we want to, you know, at least have the fans who have been there and whether, you know, through so many storms and all the Serena drama and Barclays and everything else, the Kansas City talk and, and, and mm-hmm. everything, you know, just to have a proper... If set. you can, uh, you know, if you can go from Suffolk County to Barclays Center, you know, 40 times yeah. a year, um, you can maybe take a COVID test or show proof of yeah. vaccination to get into an arena. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's easy. problem, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, by maybe May... We're looking at you know more vaccines available and eventually by the summer to have herd immunity, but it's a little ways away from that. My mother-in-law got her appointment for tomorrow, okay. which I should be thrilled about. Right. Get very excited. She's been trying calling the lines at the West Westchester County Center, yeah. and I'm happy that she's getting her vaccine. But we have an appointment at the Connecticut DMV, my wife and I tomorrow. I got all the paperwork. I have all the proof of uh, residency. I have W-2 forms with my social security number ready to go. We have 915, 930 appointments. Her vaccination, and she's watching my daughter, it's at right. 1230. We got to be back, and I don't I don't know. I mean, it's by appointment only, yeah. so that gives me some level of confidence, but DMV stays have gone wrong in the past. I, I just hope I don't cost her her vaccine shot because I'm trying to right. get my, uh, my temp, my license. Yeah, the DMV, the happiest going to be. I would imagine. I think so. I think I'll be back. It's about a half hour away from where I am. And yeah, okay. Appointments, I think we should be fine. Yeah. I got to be out of there by like 11 15, I think, to give her enough time to to be yeah. comfortably. Right. Like if I'm there an hour and a half, that's that's my hope. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, other, other things around Islanders country. A tweet caught my eye. Uh, earlier today and a lot of people Eli Manning two-time Super Bowl MVP one of only two quarterbacks to defeat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl and he did it twice put out a hockey tweet yeah I have some big decisions to make thank you to the Rangers Islanders and Devils for sending me the jerseys no need to send shoulder pads I have that covered so what was was it his children playing hockey what was the what led to this do you know i i don't know but i'm kind of glad he had a mike motto jersey there that was awesome you know, another one in the middle which was great but yeah. like the fact that all three hockey teams sent him a number 10 yeah i felt like something else must have happened related not, to hockey that i did not see i i didn't see anything either maybe it's just him pulling his you know celebrity uh rank and getting free stuff from uh from the teams who knows but uh congrats i mean for him to wear a keith a coin jersey is fantastic or, you know, pro- it's probably Alan Quine, you know, another playoff here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing was, I was struggling with, I'm like, what would be my pitch to Eli Manning on why he should be an Islanders fan over the other two options? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the Rangers were the first ones out with the tweet and the Devils followed. And I'm sitting there waiting to see, you know, what the Islanders are going to come up with. And it was very smart what they came up with. They wrote the lowercase E and L-I, you know. Yep. Where long li is in your name, it's meant to be. Yeah. Make the right pick. Very right. smart, very cute. Like it, but um, it, it would be hard for me because you know red and you know blue and red was his colors with the oh. Giants. Those are the Rangers colors. I'm not sure if I can come up with another. Well, you know what? I think, I think selling I just, point. I came up with it. Got something? Yep. Okay. Rob Damian Macchio. <laughs> no, a, a little bigger, and I mean by size, Damian Woody. Right. You know, he's an Islander fan now and you already have a center. 
There you go. Good Start protection. You know, good protection. You know, good snap. I mean, I don't know what the Devils have. You know, David Putty, but, uh, but besides that, and the Rangers, John McEnroe. <laughs> I mean, well, there you go. So um, I, I think it's, that's, that's a good point. I don't, I don't know the Devils celebrity um, fan. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if they have any. I mean, maybe like, I, if I go back to when they were at the top of the NHL, like I don't necessarily recall, you know, celebrities going to East Rutherford and. Rutherford and the Continental Airlines Arena and Brendan Byrne Arena and, and watching yeah. Devils playoff hockey. I mean, listen, you can have celebrities at the Garden. That's fine. Those are fair yeah. weather celebrities in and out. For the most part, listen, there's Boomer Esiason. There's, there's some other big time ones. But then, you know, you always have the celebrities that are there and, you know, they'll pan them during the game and get a big ovation. They may be there, you know, just kind of passing by through New York. I'm talking about the actual, like, celebrity fans. Yeah. When I was working at ESPN, I was covered the Stanley Cup for a couple of years and I covered the 031 between you know, the other Ducks and Devils. So during a quick break from work, I ran into the arena, I wanted to get a pretzel. So I get my pretzel, I turn around and you know who's behind me? Bill Goldberg. And they're just like, really? It was like, whoa, you know, and I was like getting ready, kind of clinching up to take a spear or something like that. But I'm not sure if, you know, he was there for the Devils or the Ducks or just there because the you know, the wrestling was around at that point, but yeah, so that kind of took me aback, but you know, we've got to find out who are good uh, devils. Uh, so there's me. an article here. Um, WWE's Goldberg parties with the devils in oral history. Okay. The story of how Bill Goldberg party with the 2000 devils, the night they won the Stanley cup by the guys that were in the room. And there's a picture of Scott Stevens and Bill Goldberg flexing. Well, so go. he must have got a, another invite. Yeah, because invite back. Yeah, that was Game Seven. So I'm sure he was he was ready to, to celebrate again. So <laughs> that's interesting, you know. I mean, coming off another appearance at the Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I did. He looks in. Listen, he's in great shape and yeah. keeps on getting paychecks for you know doing the same moves over and over again. Yeah, you know, exactly. God bless him. You know, some would say Leo Komarov is doing the same thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> something else I wanted to bring up. I saw the, I saw the, the uh, clip for the first time, the 32nd vignette, you know, kudos to um, Sean and, and Christian Arnold and what they're doing with yeah. hockey night in New York. That's been around a long, long time. And the video element that they're, that they're putting together and the, MSG, they don't do it just for the Islanders, but those fan vignettes oh, are among the coolest things yeah. that uh, any of the fan bases I've rooted for have done. And what makes it so special as Islander fans is that we pretty much know the people. Some exactly. you've met personally, but at least right. you know them from uh, from social media. Um, so then when they're on, it's exciting, you know, yeah. whether whether it be uh, Sean Connor and uh, his uh, his drawings, which are, you know, phenomenal. Um, you know, p- colored pencil drawings and um, the ones we've seen with Mike Carver and 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 that pod and, and the ILC podcast and uh, so many others. And uh, it's always just cool to to kind yeah, of see the, the recognition come by. And there's a lot of other candidates that you could probably think right. of uh, that'll have their time um, in seasons to come or, or later this year. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of it. Like there's so many. So every season you can just, you know, produce four or five 
have those and you still have the other ones, which are totally evergreen. So it, it works out perfectly, you know, and you have a nice collection to run, you know, each commercial break. Not, not to mention, you know, like you said, the other teams that MSG covers too, they're all great, whether you're a Ranger, a Hound, or a Devil fan, it's, it's fantastic. Even the Knicks, they have ones, you know, for, for the Knicks as well. So Even the Knicks. <laughs> even the Knicks, you know, welcome back. Knicks are having, the Knicks are having a very respectable year this year. This is a respectable yeah. year. Yeah, respectable. It took them what forty games to win like eleven games last year. Only <laughs> this year, so it's you know it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. So, uh... um, just just to get back on the ice for just a little bit in this segment. Um, I was trying to convince myself things weren't as bleak as they were during the five game losing streak, because I'm thinking to myself, okay, they were tied with thirty seconds to go against the Capitals and lost that game. Yeah. Then they have a three, nothing lead and blow that game. Yeah. And then they get to two games against um, the Flyers where you're counting them out in the third period. They rally. Yeah. They show the heart like they same way they did in the postseason, and they lose in overtime the same way they did in the postseason. Right. So it was a, it was a five game losing streak. They got two points in five games that's really bad and super important in a in a short season. Uh, we've already played nearly twenty percent of the season with eleven games, but they were really close to getting, you know, four or six points out of that stretch. They weren't getting blown in night in night out. They had one awful period against the Capitals, and then they lost two games in overtime, and then one defensive lap with thirty seconds left. So uh, it's hard for me to kind of get a feel for how far off they are in playing their game you know, yeah. right now. I mean, you could also spin it, the fact that they have points in the last four games. You know, they're, you know, 2-0 and 2 in those games. So, and they crawled their way out of the cellar and now they're in the fourth spot in, in the division. They have, you know, a couple games in hand on, on a couple teams. Thing is, uh, there's so many cancellations, or just postponements coming up in, in uh, these in these games. So, I wonder if, if they can eliminate or limit, I should say, the um, amount of these COVID you know, postponements, they'll be in good shape because you'll have, I think, the Capitals and Flyers are going to play a ton of games in the back end, the Sabres, the Devils. So if they can get their games, you know, in, in a, you know their schedule time, they'll be ahead of the curve on most of these teams. Mm-hmm. And um, it's crazy, the schedule, not only what you're talking about, about how they have to reshuffle and, you know, Islanders got a couple of games postponed and you saw how many games that got, got impacted in terms of changing the dates. Um, but then also the idea that they played the Rangers three times already, but then don't play them again until April, right? We're ready. We're in pretty much early February and they don't see the Rangers until April when you're playing a team, you know, eight times a year. Um, so it's, it's, you know, and, and there's going to be, there's elements of luck that's going to be throughout the season in terms of when do you get a team? You know, when, when are you playing them? You know, who's in the lineup, who's not in the lineup. That's why, you know, getting the Capitals when the Islanders did, we looked at that and said, what an opportunity because of the players that were out did not work out in their favor. Um, And, um, you know, we'll see if there are other situations, whether or not you're getting um, teams that are exhausted because they're playing so many games, um, combinations of uh, back-to-backs and short turnarounds, um, or you have people that are banged up. So, it's um, it's going to be a very interesting, strange type of season. But for the Islanders, given the fact that they lost five games in a row, 
given the fact that they're making still way too many turnovers and are still being uh, somewhat uncharacteristically sloppy in their own end at times, they're in a playoff spot right now. And, uh, you know, we're not that many years removed from being in a playoff spot 20% into the season <laughs> would be would be a thrill. Yeah, absolutely. And I know before we go, I want to congratulate Barry Trotz for winning his uh, 850th uh, career game. Now he's third all time past Ken Hitchcock. I mean, it's it's crazy that he's still our coach. I still you know pinch myself that we have, you know, legitimate Hall of Fame coach, Hall yeah. of Fame coach, Hall of Fame GM. Legendary, legendary hockey names running right. uh, the New York Islanders. Yeah, you can say what you want about, you know, the offseason that Lou had. He's still running a professional organization here. He made this team a professional organization. Um, he's doing the best he can. Could he do better? Sure. Which GM, you know, couldn't, you know, could not do better. But um, another GM hired today, which is in a former Islander. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, which is interesting. Ron Hextall said, well, he's, he's back in the fold. Brian Burke, too, you know, president of hockey operations, both hired on the same day, which is kind of interesting because the Islanders mm-hmm. did that a few years ago, too, hiring the both uh, their president. Just, and- <laughs> so for the younger Islander fans out there, right? So, you know, Ron Hextall was the Islanders goalie in 1993-94 season. Yep. And this is coming off their trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. So imagine making the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time. Oh, uh, not well not the first time in that long at that point, but you're back in the Eastern conference finals. You make this run with a good young core team. You think you're on the upswing and you lose both of your goalies in the expansion draft, Mark Fitzpatrick and Glenn Healy. And then Ron Hextall comes over. um, And, uh, you know, he, he was, it was an interesting thing because obviously you knew him from his uh, ability to, to, to handle the puck and the excitement around anytime there was an empty net. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to shake the just the how badly the Islanders got beat in a four game sweep to the Rangers as being just the way I remember, you know, Ron Hextall getting pulled for Jamie McClellan, Jamie McClellan night night after night during a, a four game sweep in, in that in that first round series. Yeah, I mean, I saw one of the positives of uh, Ron Hextall that year uh, took my wife to her very first Islander game. I think it was President's Day or that President's Weekend or something like that. Uh, seats behind the glass, you know, with Islanders shot twice. Ron Hexel pitched a shutout that game. So it was it was mm. one of the rare rare games for him, you know, where 72 for the Islanders. And uh, Islander fans booed him whether he was wearing an Islander jersey or not. So, <laughs> 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 And uh, people people can say arguably the, the best uh... – it's tough. It's tough between him, him and Garth, but the uh, the best uh, former goalie uh, turned GM uh, in, yeah. uh, in NHL history. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's funny. <laughs> and because Hextall really started the trend of like the Islander goaltender carousel that went on for you can say till Rolanda, if you want to say, or Hul- I guess maybe Halak. But they had so many guys, and even with that DPH, but he got hurt and they brought everyone else in, you know. The Barons and the Rolsons and the Nabokov. Yeah, Felix Potvin. I mean, they had some names. They had some name yeah. goaltenders there. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know if you saw this tweet. It was kind of funny. They had um, Islander Ranger games with hat tricks. Uh, I guess it was on the road, and uh, Mark mm-hmm. had one. And I don't know if you saw the comment by one of the guys was Eric Fischio. And he goes, I remember that because I guess he was the goalie who gave up the. <laughs> So I'm glad that he had. A I was very, <laughs> I was very high on Eric Fischio. I, yeah, I, I was, yeah. 
I, I really I, I thought Fisho was going to be yeah. you know, the guy. Then you thought Luongo was going to be the guy, and then you thought, yeah, you know, DiPietro yeah. was going to be the guy. And listen, yeah. DiPietro was the guy. You know, DP, you could have an entire show. And then, unfortunately, I, I haven't heard too many long form interviews with Rick DiPietro specifically on his Islanders career. Right. I mean, snippets here and there, and obviously he's a radio voice now in New York, but. He, his trajectory was good. I mean, he was he was the starting goaltender for Team USA. He had made an NHL All-Star team, but combination of injuries and, and not great teams in front of him um, you know, really made it difficult. I still think he handled the puck a little bit too much. Well, yeah. <laughs> as good as he was. Yeah. Um, you know, so – but, you know, there was a clip that someone posted about what led to his 15-year deal. And – you know, he talked about wanting to be an Islander for life and how important that was for him yeah. at that period. Um, and uh, listen, I give a lot of respect to a guy who was drafted number one overall and wanted to be the guy for a franchise where there was not a lot of good things happening around the Islander franchise at that point. Right. You know, <laughs> and they, yeah. they were a team that was able to sneak into the playoffs a couple times, but there was no savior coming ownership wise they were not going to be able to play with the big boys they were not going to be a destination for free agents and for uh, a guy to kind of put his name on paper for 15 years i know it didn't work out but um you know I, it made me proud as an islander fan at the time yeah i would love to have been a fly in the wall from when his agent presented that contract to, to ricky like just, are you serious 15 years i mean it's it's, it's just so funny because you don't think a goalie should get Probably any player should get that long a contract. I know Sergey Borowski got a, a nice contract a couple of years ago from the Panthers, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's crazy. I think the contract just ran out. If, if, if it was if you would have been there, I think it would have run out this year. I believe the fifteen I think years. It was two thousand six. So yeah, I think it might have yeah, been. It would have been this year. year. Right. Because I kept joking that the deal would run out when my son was in high school. Well, he's a junior now, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. A special thanks once again to our guest, Andrew Gross of Newsday, for joining us. Coming up for the Isles Thursday, they host the Pittsburgh Penguins and then games against the Boston Bruins and then up in Buffalo on President's Day to take on the Buffalo Sabres. For No Fogelman, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night.